Wonderful. Well, it's uh, a real privilege to be able to bring you God's word this morning and to be able to speak to you on uh, a topic that has been kind of growing in us as a church and certainly in me over the past few months. I want to go back to one of the message I, messages I preached earlier this year in May. Um, it was a message from Acts 1. And in Acts 1, we see the beginning of the story of the early church. And Jesus ascends back into heaven. And then uh, they wait, the disciples wait in the upper room, waiting for the promise of the power that would clothe them from on high, waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. And as they wait, they pray and they wait for God to do what he wants to do. And then the miracle of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit is poured out on the church and 3,000 are added to their number that day, that miracle happens and the breakthrough comes. And I really sense that this is what the Lord wants to say to us that we are like the disciples in the upper room, that we are waiting for the breakthrough. We are waiting for God to pour out something in us. Obviously, the Holy Spirit has already been poured out on us, but the, the image is still the same, that God is going to bring us a breakthrough. There is going to be significant change. Maybe that's true for us individually, but certainly for us corporately as a whole church, that God wants to do something significant in us and do something amazing, a real breakthrough. But in the meantime, he's asking us to prepare. He's asking us to get ready and to pray and to fast and to do the things that um, the, the disciples did in those early days as they waited in the upper room. And then a couple of weeks ago, I preached on Ezekiel 47 and this idea that in order to see the fruit, to see that breakthrough come, we wait for the Holy Spirit to come on us. And as he does so, we are going on a journey down the river, down the river to what God wants us to do. So wherever we are on the river, whether we are kind of treading in and just dipping our toes in or whether we're further down the, the line, actually God is asking us to take a step and to move further down. And as we do so, the Holy Spirit moves. And this is part of that preparing for the breakthrough, that God would do something significant, but only because the Holy Spirit is in us, not because we can do anything in, a, in and of ourselves on our own. So we then come to today and the next two or three weeks, I'm going to be looking at a story from two chronicles. It's the story of King Jehoshaphat. And all we need to know as a bit of context is that Jehoshaphat was a good king, broadly. He made some mistakes, but he sought to walk with the Lord. He sought to obey him. And then we get to this story in 2 Chronicles 20. And I'm going to take it kind of moment by moment, really, kind of uh, verse by verse to see what God wants to say to us. And I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. So it's 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It happens after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is Engedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Ju Judah. I just want to stop there. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. That's, that's an amazing insight into what Jehoshaphat was feeling at that time. Imagine what it was like. The people from around him, the people who uh, were strong, that had an army, were suddenly coming against him 
and the people of Judah. And his first reaction is to fear, to be scared. But as soon as that happens, he sets himself up to seek the Lord. And I believe this is a particular word for at least one of you today, that actually when we face that moment of fear, when it seems like the enemies are surrounding us, when it seems like hope is lost, and it seems like there is no hope, there is nothing that we can cling to, actually, we need to turn and seek the Lord. That was consistent with who Jehoshaphat was. He loved to walk with the Lord. So as soon as he saw something that could lead him into fear, that could lead him away from what God wanted, actually, as soon as he did that, he turned his face to seek the Lord. And what did he do? He, he proclaimed a fast. Now, this word proclaimed is uh, yakira. Uh, yakira, yeah, that's it. It's a, it's a word that means proclaim, to call. It's the same word that is used in Genesis 1 when God says, and I proclaim the land to be called earth, or I proclaim that the light to govern the, the day is called the sun. And then again, Ad, with Adam, and Adam proclaimed that the creatures of the earth would be given their name. And Adam proclaimed or called his wife Eve. And the implication of this is it's, that it's a word of trust, of authority. It is a word that kind of sets something in motion. And so he proclaims a fast. And there's, there's a lot written about fasting. I don't know what your experiences are of fasting. But essentially, fasting is denying our physical senses to be able to heighten our spiritual senses. So when you might deny food, and now people might fast other things as well, technology or something else. But certainly in these days, if you were going to fast, you were going to deny yourself food, which would mean that you would deny your basic need. You would deny what is kind of considered normal, your feelings of hunger, so that you can focus on what God wants to say. You would deny what seems to be normal, would seem to be something that you absolutely need so that you can recognize that it's only God that you need. And so as Jehoshaphat proclaims this fast, what he is saying to the people of Judah here, what he is saying is that I am asking you, I am proclaiming to the people that we deny what we physically see. We deny what we can see with our senses and ask the Lord what he wants to do. It might be that physically we can see the enemies around us, but actually God has a different plan. He is seeing things differently. Let's fast so that we might see what God's plan is for this time. And so I guess one of the questions before us from this passage is, what are we seeing with our physical senses in North Bushy? What are we seeing? What are we hearing? What are we understanding with our physical senses? whether they're good or bad. What are, we, what are we actually seeing in the natural realm, if you like? And the Lord's challenge to us today is to look past the physical senses. And as we fast together on Thursdays and, and whatever else we do in terms of fasting, the Lord is asking us and challenging us to see past those physical circumstances and asking us to see what he sees. You know, there have been quite a few times in recent years where I've been challenged by something or I've been not sure about what to do, a particular direction that 
either we as a location are going to take or me individually. And I've taken some time, taken a day, and I've gone away, I've fasted from food, and I've gone away to pray, spend some time purely with the Lord. And you know, in some ways, I don't really look forward to those days, um, certainly not initially, because it feels like, oh, I'm denying something that I love. I, I love food. And those of you who know me well know I eat a lot. Um, and so it, it, I always felt like it's a challenge. But I've come to realize that every time that I've done a day like that, every time where I spent that time specifically asking the Lord to show me, he has always revealed himself to me. He has always shown himself to me. He has engaged me in such a way that I come back feeling refreshed, even though I'm physically hungry. I come back feeling that even though the circumstances might not have changed, that actually I know God more and he, I am closer to him. And that's his desire for me. So even if there isn't a breakthrough in the circumstance, and we'll see in the coming weeks as we look through this story, there was a huge breakthrough for the people of Judah. Even if there isn't, there is huge benefit because we draw closer to God and we know him more. And so in that place, I have been able to grow more intimate with God. And I've been able to understand his plans. And I feel like my worship of him has grown. And so as I've prayed and fasted, I now look forward to those days because I feel like it's a time when my priorities, my eyes are on him. And that's the whole point in the first place. So Jehoshaphat proclaimed a fast. So let's continue um, in verse four. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers. And I just want to stop there because Jehoshaphat, remember, this is not a, a private prayer. This is a proclamation to the whole of Judah, to everyone. He is proclaiming, O Lord God of our fathers. He is proclaiming to them who they are seeking. And they are seeking the gods of their heroes, of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, of, of David, of Samuel, of the people that had gone before them. He is, they are seeking together the God of their fathers because Jehoshaphat knows if they know who they are praying to, they know what he is going to do. And so they can then pray in faith. They can pray knowing who God is and what he wants to do. So every time we come to pray, we need to remember who God is and remember what he has done in the past. It builds our faith. And then he begins to list some people or remind them of people who God had come through for in the past. So let's continue. Uh, verse six. O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might? so that no one is able to withstand you. Let's stop there again. These few lines would remind the people of Judah of the prayer that David had prayed in 1 Chronicles 29. All the people had gathered the materials together, had given generously towards the temple, and David prays this magnificent prayer in 1 Chronicles 29, a wonderful prayer of praise of thanksgiving, of declaring that this is the Lord's work. And so the people here are reminded of that prayer, reminded of David. David, this wonderful leader who gave his life to God. And in that time, the territory of Israel was extended. 
And so as they were praying then here under Jehoshaphat, they are reminded that they are coming to a God who is extending his territory, who is doing his work, who is building his kingdom. And then we see again in, in verse seven, are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel? Again, we stop here. This is to remind them of Joshua. Joshua, who took the people out of the wilderness into the promised land. And then the Lord, de- and even before this, the Lord declared to Joshua, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For I, the Lord, will be with you wherever you go. So the people of Judah here are reminded that the God they're coming to is the God who is with them wherever they go, even when the enemies surround them. And then it continues and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever. And this is Abraham, the founding father of the faith. Abraham, who was old in age, he was old and so was his wife, Sarah. They they had no hope of children and God promised to them that they would have a child. Not only would they have a child, but their descendants would be too numerous to count. So when it comes to seeing things with their eyes, that was not possible. There was no chance of them having children. And yet God saw things differently. He saw the child of promise. And then he blessed Abraham's faith with this miracle child. And so the people of Judah here are reminded again that the God they're praying to is the God of miracles. And it continues in verse 8. And they, that's Judah and Israel, dwell in it. They dwell in the land and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. And this is the last of the kind of reminders of their past, if you like, is the reminder of Solomon. Solomon in his early days, as they built the temple, he prayed this prayer in 2 Chronicles chapter 6. And this prayer was, Lord, when we turn back to you, would you hear us? Would you provide for us? And then the Lord answers in chapter 7 of 2 Chronicles, a hundred years before Jehoshaphat reigned. The Lord answers, yes, when you turn back to me, I will hear you. I will deliver you. I will save you. And what the Lord's And what Jehoshaphat is reminding the people of and proclaiming to the people here is that when you turn to me, when you pray to me, when you come back to me, I will hear you. I will answer you. I will deliver you. And so as we consider those things, we ask the question, do we believe in a God like that? Do we still believe in the God of David? who is extending his kingdom and building his kingdom in North Bushy, wanting to bring all into his his presence, into his kingdom? Do we believe that we are praying to the God of Joshua, who is with us wherever we go? We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be discouraged. Just be bold, be strong, for he is with us. Do we believe that we are praying to the God of Abraham, who is the God of miracles, who blesses our faith with miracles, And even when we can't see with our physical senses what we want to see, we can see through God's eyes that actually there is so much more than what we can naturally see. Do we believe, we are praying to the God of Solomon, that when we pray to him, he is giving us everything that we need and that he is able to deliver us 
in the midst of turmoil and turn us as we turn back to him. This is the God we pray to. And in this prayer in verse nine, Jehoshaphat says, for your name is in this temple. Jehoshaphat is reminding them of the name of God. In fact, he starts this prayer with the word Yahweh, or you might have heard Jehovah, Jehovah. This is the, the word of God that is used over 6,000 times in the Old Testament. And it's such a powerful, fundamentally beautiful and holy and majestic name that the Israelites and the people of Judah, they, they dare not utter it. So full of awe, so full of wonder that they had such reverence for it that they, they wouldn't even speak it out loud. And this name comes from the root that God spoke to Moses in Exodus 3, where he gives his name as I am who I am. The idea that God is when all the other gods are not. And in this case, they would have been talking about idols, the, the gods of the, other, of the other societies around them. But regardless, that it's still the same, that God is where our idols, where the things we place before God are not. He is above our our marriages he's above our children he's above our money he's above our time he is above everything he is so so good so big that all those other gods they pale into insignificance and so when he reminds them of his name he is reminding uh, Jehoshaphat is reminding the people of Judah that when they come to God that his name is all-powerful it is all-sufficient that there is authority in his name to provide for their every need, even when the enemy is coming around us, them. And he says, your name is in this temple. And we know from the New Testament that actually the temple stopped being a building and becomes his people. So the, the declaration before us, the proclamation is that we are his temple and his name is in, our in us. The authority of God is in us. And when Jesus in Matthew 28 says that all authority has been given to him, in other words, the authority of Yahweh is given to Jesus and then given to us, we have the authority to declare the works of God around us. We have the authority to say that God is in us. And so when we pray, we don't just need to pray if it's your will. And there are times for that prayer when we are surrendering to him, when we are yielding before him. We say, Lord, whatever you want to do, would you do it? Have your way, your kingdom come, your will be done in our lives. But when praying for situations, we can declare and proclaim with the authority Jesus gives us that we have that authority and we are praying in the name of Yahweh, the Lord God Almighty, who rules and reigns, whose name is majestic and holy. And so when we pray, when we pray together, is his name in our midst? Do we really believe? Do we really stand in awe of who he is? Do we really come before him and know that we have the authority that he has given us and he has the authority to change our situations? His name is in this temple. And we continue from verse 10. And now here are the people of Amon, Moab, and Mount Seir. And just quickly as an aside there, these are people that actually were part of the family of Abraham from the beginning. This goes back to Esau and ultimately to Ishmael. So these are people that actually God 
God was, had looked after. He promised to Ishmael that he would. Um, and so uh, Jehoshaphat is praying. And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the lands of Egypt. But they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Now all Judah, with their little ones, their wives and their children, stood before the Lord. Again, we'll just stop there. One more section after this. And what we see here is Jehoshaphat saying, our eyes are on you. And firstly, we see that it's our, it's not just his eyes. It's not just the leaders of Judah here. It is everyone. We have the people, their wives, their children. Everyone's eyes are on the Lord. And so for us, the invitation is for us to all together put our eyes on the Lord, to take our eyes off the circumstances and come before the Lord and ask him what it is that he is doing. And as we do so, we begin to see what his heart is for it. And as we see that, we can pray in faith that he is going to do something wonderful, something magnificent. Our eyes are on the Lord. It's a bit like in Matthew 14, the famous story of the feeding of the 5,000. The disciples see the circumstances. They see that there are 5,000, if not more people on this hillside as Jesus speaks. And Jesus says to them, you feed them. And they see the circumstances. That's impossible. All we've got, five loaves, two fish. They bring them to Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He looks up. His eyes were on the Lord. And as he did so, a miracle happened and breakthrough came. So the invitation is for our eyes to be on the Lord. That when we pray together on Thursdays or any other time, when we fast together on Thursdays, that we lift our eyes off the circumstances and we come to the Lord who is able to deliver and to do something wonderful. And so we're going to read just one final section of this passage and come back to it in future weeks. We're going to read from verse 14. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Beniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude. Notice again those words, the same that were said to Joshua. Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Uh, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And you see, in the midst of this prayer, in the midst of their fasting, that is when the Lord spoke and they had this word of prophecy. And I believe that as we prepare for breakthrough here in North Bushy, 
as we pray, as we fast, the Lord will speak. He's already spoken to some degree, but there's going to be greater revelation of what God wants to say. And as he does so, our faith will grow and enable us to pray with even greater faith and greater authority into the circumstances around us. And our eyes will be lifted off what we currently see to what the Lord sees. And when we see that, we will become more of what God wants us to be. And just to finish, I, I want to tell you about my first experience of fasting. It was when I was at university, and most of you know that I was leading the Christian Union there. And the Christian Union, we got together as the leadership team for a retreat of a couple of days before we went into that year. And in our first meal, as we sat down together, we, uh, one of my, my friends said, um, I, I feel like we should fast uh, one day of this retreat to actually to actually pray and prepare ourselves for this year. And I'll be honest, my heart sank and I thought, oh really, do I have to? Um, I'd never fasted before. And in that moment, I'm thinking, oh, this isn't what I, this isn't what I wanna do. But of course, when someone says something to you, that is biblical, and I was the leader of this team, I couldn't very well say, no, that's not for us. <laughs> um, and so I said, all right, let's do it. And you know, we fasted, we prayed, it wasn't comfortable. And I wouldn't say we got any specific revelation in that moment. We didn't get anything that we would say, oh, we're definitely, we're definitely heading on the right track. But what we did is we submitted that year to the Lord. We prepared for he want, what he wanted to do. And through that year, we saw some amazing things that God wanted to do. We saw people come back to the Lord. We saw the Christian union grow. And it wasn't just because we prayed and fasted in that moment but it was a sign of the attitude we wanted to have before the Lord, that we want to prepare our hearts for what he wants to do, not what's on our agenda. And that's our prayer today. That's our prayer every day in the coming weeks and months, that we would see the Lord, we would hear from him because we've submitted ourselves to whatever he wants to do and pray to this God who is able to do so much more than we ask or imagine to come and do his work and show us who he is. So why don't we take a moment just to pause and ask the Lord what he wants to say to us in this moment and to allow it to sink into our hearts that we would commit to preparing for breakthrough by coming before him in every way. So let's just be still for a moment and then I'll pray in a moment.